0: Tune in weekly and listen to the Collateral Damage Podcast, where Michael Wilson and Maureen Kavanaugh host a variety of special guests to discuss topics and available services that will help you learn about the impact that substance use has on our lives, our families, and on our communities nationwide. Episodes and listening information can be found at www.cdpodcast.com. You can also search for Collateral Damage Podcast on your favorite listening platforms, or watch previous and future episodes on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and share. All right. Welcome everybody to another episode of Collateral Damage. Uh, my name is Mike Wilson. I'm here with my co-host Maureen Kavanaugh in our new studio.
1: Yes, very cool. Yeah. I'm
0: and uh, and today we have a special guest, uh, Trisha Ragusa, who is a, an educator or teacher in recovery. Thank you for joining us, Tricia. Appreciate that. Thank
2: you for having me. Hi guys.
0: Absolutely. Hi. So um, I understand that you are you're you're not anonymous about this. That you you really like to be very open about your recovery. And I'm curious to hear a little bit about your story. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. Um, I, I came into recovery in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, after a decade long struggle with opioid abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the type of uh, person who struggled with substances that. Everything looked perfect. Um, mm. I, was, I was, you know, the career looked perfect. My marriage looked perfect. The kids looked perfect. Uh, but the reality is it was all just crashing to pieces on the inside. Right. Um, and uh, finally, after, you know, going in and out of attempting to get clean for a good decade, um, you know, and, and hiding behind the, the shame and fear uh, that comes with, sorry, the cat's back, about, uh, you know, with addiction, mm-hmm. um, I decided, you know, it was time to to get sober because I was going to leave four little kids without a mother. I mean, I really was in very bad shape. So for me, it was either, you know, get clean or let me die. Yeah. And um, I, I did just that. Uh, I went to the Karen Treatment Center in Warnersville, Pennsylvania. And nice. uh, that was an incredible experience, but, um, and, and thank God I've been, you know, clean since I went there. Um, and one of the reasons that I decided to be an educator and be not anonymous is because I hid for a very long time out of the fear of losing my teaching career. I right. remember being in treatment and being so scared to fill out the forms for FMLA and, and to not want to disclose what was really happening with me. Um, but then... I realized when I when I faced it and I moved forward that there was really nothing to fear. So my hope was with being not anonymous, twofold. Um, first of all, that I could encourage other educators who struggle to come forward um, and, and not have fear and to get help. And also um, because I'm a high school teacher and you know the opioid epidemic here on Long Island where I teach is so severe, mm-hmm. I started to realize, well, I've been given all these amazing tools in recovery I can bring these into the classroom and really affect change. Right. So that was the other reason I decided to be not anonymous. Um, and that was kind of how it all came to me. Then I started writing in recovery and blogging in recovery and um, working what's on a, curriculum.
0: What's, what's the name of your blog?
2: Um, it's eucalyptus.com. Okay. Um, so yeah. Is,
0: is it, is it recovery based recovery it's focused?
2: All recovery based. Mm. Uh, all the articles that I write are about recovery. Mm. Um, I'm actually self-publishing a book in December about the inner child and recovery wow. uh, because I found, you know, as we peel back the onion, we know it has very little to do with the substance itself and, right. you know, it's really the trauma. and Yeah. All, the substance is
0: just the solution, you know, yeah. solution to the life's problems. So.
2: <laughs> right. No. So I wrote a book that's coming out in December.
0: Okay. What's the title?
2: It's going to be called, it's, it's my it inner child. Title? What?
0: Is it a working title or do you have it?
2: No, no, I have it. Yeah, and, okay. um, it's going to be called Calm Down Titula, which is, that's my inner child. Okay. Um, and it's all, she's personified. Uh, it's written based on sessions with my gestalt therapist where I learned to personify. You know, sometimes people personify their addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the personification of my inner child. And that's her name. That's what they called me as a kid. Um, so that's where it came from. Um, and the whole book is written on sessions with my gestalt therapist. And it just... You know, I connected the inner child to, and and tried to convey the importance of healing the inner child, and you know, to stay sober. So,
0: wow, really that's exciting.
1: You know, Trisha, as as a teacher myself, I'm really I was interested right from the first time we started talking about how you made that um, kind of that leap. You know, to come out as someone in recovery as um in, in, in teaching in a school district because there I would you know I understand that you might be afraid of the repercussions mm. I mean there shouldn't be repercussions right but reality is reality
2: yeah. and uh,
1: did you experience any of that
2: um you know being in a high school they're not, it's like high schools are notorious for the teachers being just as bad as the kids with gossip. So I definitely had my fair share of people talking about me. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, it really, you know, I don't think my administration, I'm gonna be honest, I don't think my administration or um, the district is really paying all that much attention to what I do, my colleagues know. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the most part, it has been a story that has been celebrated. Uh, People have been really supportive. And I cannot tell you, there goes my light, the amount of teachers that I have had that have come to me and asked me for help. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's what happens. Exactly, exactly. With, you know, their own struggles with substances.
0: Well, I think that's that's probably the most important thing. I mean, I know that being anonymous for somebody that is maybe a little nervous that everyone's gonna find out is one thing, but for the folks of us that are out out front, you know, wear it like a badge, it's it's inspiring. You know, it's inspiring to see other people you know, overcome that fear. And, you know, with uh, with FMLA and stuff like that, you know, I think a lot of people in your situation probably don't even know that it's better for them to come out up front and say, hey, I've got this issue and go address it um, and be like, hey, I was trying to hold it together, but I couldn't. Um, I really need to go get some help. I need to take a few weeks off and go get some treatment and come back that that's actually you, you have a better chance of keeping your job and your life than if you wait for someone to find out or catch you, and then be like, "Okay, I guess I'll do it," because if they catch you, you got a better chance of getting fired um, or having some real issues. So it's it's inspiring to see somebody like yourself uh, and and all the other people who are just like, you know, what I got this thing, I got to go take care of it, and to actually right. take the time and go away. So,
2: and and I think to prove that you know recovery is not. Well, I think I think the point that that a lot of people miss is that it's really just a it's an invitation to like this much more incredible existence mm-hmm. in, in my opinion because it's taken me on a path that i never could have dreamed of i ran the new york city marathon this, Nick,
1: congratulations
2: the, like I'm, I'm not a runner <laughs> yeah. but um i ran with uh, karen runwell which is they they scholarship people to treatment yeah uh, so all the funds go to Karen and to get, you know, getting people that can't afford treatment, treatment. And um, so I I was lucky enough to run with them. And we had an incredible story that their uh, director of women's care, the woman that checked me into treatment, Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen her since, actually ended up being on my RunWell team. And we ran the whole 26.2 together. So, well, let's be honest. It was run and walk because by the (laughs) the end of the 14 miles, we we, we were dying. So we, you know, we we were walking a bit, Uh, but we had the best day. And it was such an incredible story. And I thought, you know, Karen actually put us on their Facebook page and stuff and shared it because it was like, you know, recovery takes you on this journey that you could never dream of.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I think we come into life with our own plan. And then obviously you know, our recovery and, and our connection with other people really just puts us maybe on a different path. I didn't think I'd be doing what I do today. Uh, when I got well, this just became my path. And
2: right. a lot of it is, now.
0: you almost feel like an obligation to speak out and speak up and tell oh, the people who are stuck that, you know, you can get unstuck, that there's, you, you, you know, got. it's it's worth it.
2: Mm-hmm. And you can thrive, you yeah. know,
0: and, <laughs> exactly. and then you
2: get, like wild things that happen to you too, because like, that you that you would never have dreamed of if you weren't on this path i my own sponsor um her name's Karina dilia she's she's very not anonymous also so I can use her name she and she gives me permission to and because um she had an incredible story of of abuse uh teenage pregnancy homelessness uh, addiction mm-hmm. you name it and then six years sober lost her leg in a um motorcycle accident and she went on after that with no bitterness in her spirit to sponsor over 200 women Um, and she came to me about a year ago she was my sponsor and she said can you help me write my memoir Mm -hmm. and it was just this incredible incredible moment where you know the teacher becomes the student and we wrote her memoir together and that's also coming out in December it's uh the truth will set you free Um, so she's got an incredible story also so these are the things that come in recovery that you would never imagine
0: Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, and I I assume you see that as well. You know I mean? You're working with families too. So you're watching people, you you know, as their their loved ones come out of there, you know, I call it like the, the coma, you know what I mean? When you're active, you're in this, like, you're in this totally different world. And then all of a sudden you step out of it. I know you, you actually talked about the, uh, trying to hold everything together, like trying to keep that, the outer shell looking good so that nobody really challenged it and everybody thought everything was fine. <clears throat> or more importantly, so that when, it, like with me, like when I woke up in the morning, I would look in the mirror and be like, you know what? I think this is good. <laughs> and then I'd go about my business. Right. Um, but you know, once that, once that starts to break down, it's, it's like, you just get stuck in this. It's like, is it ever going to get better than this? Uh, could mm-hmm. it ever be better than this? Like, is this as good as it gets? And you know, when you get well and come out of that, even yes. for the families, like, like, I, yeah, I think I've just accepted this is the way my loved one is and um, I don't know it's just it's 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 amazing to see someone come out of that and then actually find a purpose in life when previous to that their only purpose was to get high and lie about it
1: I think that you can say the same thing about families though because when they start speaking up and speaking out Mm -hmm. and you know because as soon as you start to talk about it people come out of the woodwork to ask you first. So, you know, what did you do? What should yeah. I do? Do you know anything? Because there's such, there's this desperate need to connect with people, whether you're the, you know, the person struggling or you're the family that's struggling mm-hmm. and um, coming, you know, talking about it makes it easier for other people to get help and for other people to realize that there's sometimes this, there's an answer to this and right. there's hope out there. And um, if we don't talk about it, nobody knows there's hope.
0: That's true. So,
1: You're inspirational running the marathon too. I think that's amazing. I really do. I, you know, it's funny. I just spoke at the high school where I taught when all this happened, it was like a year. Um, I had left the year before. And, um, I was very surprised that when my daughter's addiction became public, no one reached out. Mm. So, um, you know, and that's what actually started Magnolia and started all the things that I'm doing now, because I felt like this is not right, that I needed to change this. But, um, so that's why I was so curious about what kind of reaction you got in the school, what kind of reaction you got from parents, because I, I know that I got no reaction, no reaction at all. Although there was lots of talk, like you said, it was like the rumor mill was, but kids in the town know that I'm, um, I'm able to get them help and they come to me. And the, when I spoke, there were very few parents, unfortunately, there were one or two teachers and there was like, I don't know, 70 kids, wow. yeah. which was kind of amazing because, you know, we think we're hiding something we think that there's not, that the people don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They know what's going on. They're losing their older fr- their Their older brothers and sisters are losing friends. They're seeing people go and then, too many cases. Um, they're losing family members. Right. So um, being and quiet I'll, and keeping quiet like and pretending like nothing's wrong is not helpful for anybody.
2: I know. It's it's not. And, and I'll tell you, the kids, you know, I, I had written this curriculum that I've done with my 12th graders. You know, I'm an English teacher, so I have to stick to a certain curriculum, but I have... I wrote something removing the religiosity out of from the 12 steps and um Mm -hmm. like a character ed dbt you know kind of thing and i started doing it with the kids and their eyes just light up like they say miss like this is what we should be learning in school they and i think too like oh had i had these coping skills and this Uh type of blueprint when i was a kid maybe i wouldn't have gone down the road and i look at my own kids and i say the same thing i mean they have They have tools that I never had. Not that we know what their journey is going to be because we don't. But, um, you know, I just I think that it's kind of cool to be able to give that to students because they want they want it. They they're into it, you know. Yeah.
0: Now, do have you had an experience where because you're so open about this, that uh, people have come to you at the school, either students or other staff or anything like that looking for help or support?
2: Staff, yes. Staff, I've had a few instances of that. Kids, you know, I don't say, I don't go up in front of my class Mm -hmm. and say, tell them the list of drugs I was doing. I just, obviously that's completely inappropriate. Of course. but i yeah, i don't know how that my administration would like that but like i i stay away from that kind of stuff but um if i have kids that you know the social workers let me know what that there's something like that going on i'll talk to them and in yeah. i i figured out how to do it and you know be able to keep on the teacher hat and also like the recovery hat and kind of bridge those two worlds mm-hmm. so i think that i've definitely been able to help kids in that regard um and boy do we do we need it in these high schools yes.
0: Well, I've been, I mean, I actually, I do interventions and I spend, for some reason, I'm in Massachusetts, but I spend a lot of time down in Long Island doing interventions. So you've got, you know, there's a lot going on down there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so I assume, are you active in the community as well? Like outside? Yeah,
2: of- I, I am. I actually, I, I actually work for, in addition to my teaching job for one of the community counseling centers here. So, um, you know they're gonna have me start doing community outreach right now. I'm it's really like a pilot program. I'm piloting as like a peer and a coach and mm-hmm. and just trying to, um, you know, reach people. I'm working with some teens, some adults, um, trying to you know, like it's it's there's just such a big gap between people coming out of treatment and trying to live in the real world, mm-hmm. and um, like. You know that was me. I I was I came out of rehab and and I was by myself with four little kids because my ex-husband had Decided to move 3,000 miles away to California. That's how bad I was. Okay. <laughs> he moved I was with four little kids who at the time were one um, They were one three four five so it was brutal. I was I didn't have to take care of myself I was newly sober. I remember just crying in the middle of my kitchen like how do I take care of these four little people if I can't even take care of me? Mm-hmm. So like, that's like, what I'm really trying to help people with is just that like that in between because between treatment and, and life, there's mm-hmm. a big hole. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well
0: that's the, that when I was saying earlier about kind of coming out of that coma, you know, that's how I felt whenever, whenever I came out, I came out at, you know, 21 and it was like, I got sober at 21 cause I came out of, out of prison and I was like, I came out and everyone's like, all right, so now you need to behave like a 21-year-old. I'm like, well, what's that look like? You know, and then I was, yeah, I was exactly. at 25 and I'm like, so what's going on in my life? They're like, well, you have a kid. I'm like, oh, damn. You know, and they're like, you have debt and, you know, you've got a criminal record. I'm like, oh, man, this is awful. <laughs> you know, and I came out, <laughs> came out of it at 30. They're like, oh, you have two kids. You know, you've got more debt. You know, <laughs> you've, you've created more criminal record for yourself. It's even harder to get a job now. And so every time I came out, not only did the people around me and myself included, expect me to behave at that age-appropriate level, but also to be able to handle life's responsibilities at that point, which I was not right. capable right. of doing. So, you know, to your point, it's that that gap treatment of coming out of the treatment bubble sober, ready to take on the world, and being able to come out and take on the world sober and the amount of time it takes to prepare yourself, and that's- you know, and-
2: And recovery, I always say, requires adulting. And we don't like to adult. Like, you know, those bills that are piled up, those whatever, the legal issues. You know, it was, for me, that was so overwhelming because I had been, you know, taking my bills and shoving them in a drawer for however many years. Mm -hmm. So when I came out of treatment, I was like, oh, I have to deal with this. Got to open the bill drawer. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember my therapist saying, well, you're ahead of the game because a lot of people just throw them right in the garbage. So at least you were saving them. (laughs) The circular file. (laughs) 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 I was
1: filing my unpaid bills. I I
0: shred them so I can save more of them in a bag. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: So this um so your book it sounds like that was uh, how long did it take you to put that together or is that is that a combination of all your writings in the blog or is this something separate you've been doing
2: It's separate. I mean, I have yeah. a few things out on the blog on the inner child um and shame and worthiness and you yep. know all the things that are underneath addiction. Um and I but this is um something I've been writing since oh god, oh, it's almost 2 years I've been putting this together and mm-hmm. I did it like very teacherish so it's uh it's it's a book, you know, about my inner child and the way that I, you know, have worked to heal her. And then it's got a lot of exercises and workbook activities and stuff, just like I would teach a class.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and uh, so I'm planning on putting that out into the world, uh, you know, probably December, I would say, December that's or great. January.
0: Yeah, that's and exciting.
2: Maybe, yeah, using <laughs> it to do workshops and stuff, yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I know that, that
0: cool. uh, well, you wrote a book.
2: I did, and I yeah, wrote a book.
0: I self-published, like you're about to, and it was an exciting experience. I know you you were fortunate enough to have a publisher. I was very lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's definitely an exciting experience. Once it's out there, it's a little nerve wracking, though, because then people, you know, can critique it, and give you feedback, and it's not always awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it is. It is nice to. I don't know about for you, but when I wrote my book, it was like it was really good to just get it out of me. Um, right. You know, because it was in there, I, I, I had it in there, and once I got it out, then I didn't have to think about it anymore.
2: <laughs> well, I, I remember I said to my therapist, I was like, well, you probably know when to read it. She said, it doesn't matter. It's for you. This, right. this is, this is your healing. Yeah, this very is, cathartic. You know, it really is. And mm-hmm. you know, I just, we you know something just moves me to write. So mm-hmm. I just keep writing. And mm-hmm. it just, I, even when I try not to, or I stop, I always start again. Mm-hmm. So it's some, definitely something I'm meant to do. And you know, even if it, it helps one, I, you know, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. so now when you wrote your book you yours was yours was kind of like revealing like you were putting your story out there with your daughter too right
1: it was horrifying yeah that wasn't cathartic at all (laughs) you were scared i really (laughs) i really felt i felt like i needed to do it because i felt like there really were not a lot of parents speaking up about their their child's journey in the middle Mm -hmm. of it you know and um i but when i remember when that first box of books got delivered and it's, mm-hmm. I opened it up and it was sitting on my living room floor and I looked down on it, down at it, all those books in there, knowing that like within a week they were going to hit the bookshelves and thinking, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's
0: okay. you can't take it back. No, you cannot
1: take it back. <laughs> and, you know, still to this day, people will come up to me and say, oh, how's Randy? do I know you? Oh no, I read the book. <laughs> you
0: okay. know so much about my <laughs> yeah. life. Why do you know about my life? It's, it's
1: kind of a weird experience. Yeah. It's coming out in um, paperback too. Oh, good. It, on nice. uh, January 7th. Nice. So you can, Relaunch. And it's got a um, an afterward now, kind of updating oh. everybody on what's going on in, you know, two years later. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I think it's cool to see like, you know, how recovery, even when it's, when it's the loved one that, that struggles that it can take the whole family on a whole nother journey. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's just like, it's just, yeah. like, well, the it's whole, just it so clear. That's what it's for. It, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It definitely <laughs> takes the whole family with it. It's, a, it's called a
2: family disease for a reason.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I know that you said yours is going to be, it was kind of informational, right? Um, uh,
2: yeah, I would say. And it's, it's, it's narrative. It's definitely my story anecdotal. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's both.
0: Well, one of the things, and, and you probably you, you may get this down the road, but I, I mine is, a, it's kind of like a guide form, so it's very instructional as well, and I always find it interesting when a family brings it into my office, and they bring my book into the office, and it's got like, it's got a whole bunch of little like placeholders and notes and yeah. sticky stuff, and like, so in here you said, and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> yes, I did, <laughs> yes, I definitely did say that. So it's, it's it's fun and I, I hope that you're able to turn it into, you know, a workshop to help people push through that because you're right, there is, you know, substance abuse is where we focus all our energy and all our effort because that's what's taking the life. Yeah. Um, but in reality, you know, from the perspective of the struggling individual, it's just the solution. It's the only solution we have to the way we feel, whether it is, you know, trauma or childhood issues or just basically I can't live with who I am, whatever it is. The drugs are just the solution right. and we need a better solution.
2: We've got the, I always say it's whack a right? So mm-hmm. like we get, well, we, with the cross addictions, we, we whack one down and we have to do the next one. Because mm-hmm. I know for me, it went, it went pills, then food, then shopping. Oh, and then you get the, the relationship addiction in there too, which can mm-hmm. get all crazy. And that's one that I help more women with that than anything, the toxic relationship, you know? Um, and it's all the same thing. It's all that we don't have a self and we're looking outside of ourselves for something to make us okay. Mm-hmm. And nothing can, <laughs> um, except you know what's above and what's yeah.
0: within. Exactly. And,
2: yeah. yeah, and once we learn that, we, we we're all we're off to a whole incredible journey.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not enough not to not to drink or not to use drugs. You have to figure out all that backstory. Mm-hmm. and um it's actually to,
0: harder yeah. i mean i don't know about you guys but when when i was uh when i was struggling and i was using and stuff like that everyone was like get sober your life will get better and i was like okay you know i believe that so i would get sober and it got harder i was like this is awful i was like this feels terrible i feel everything i'm like i can't run from anything everything hurts i don't know how to do anything i was like yeah i'm just gonna go get high <laughs> i was like actually, i know how to do that better than this this yeah. is crazy and so it was you know sober without a solution is awful it's the most painful thing ever so you know getting sober is not the solution it's getting sober and then creating a solution to what's happening inside of you so like when i you know when i talk to families like he just needs to he or she just needs to stop doing drugs and be normal i'm like "Mm, Mm. not really you know there's probably a better way to do that (laughs) and uh it's probably not just pretending that you don't have an illness you know what i mean
1: right and it's the same thing with the family it's like they have to recover and they have to um heal from all of this otherwise right. they keep re- um, repeating the same patterns over and over again mm-hmm. with this person that they've developed these patterns and then they wonder why you know the person's doing really well and then they come home after 60 or 90 days or 30 days or however many days they get and they, they like within 30 seconds everything's back to exactly the way it was before
0: exactly mm-hmm.
1: yeah. so mm-hmm.
0: Well, I got a question for you. So we always like to ask our guests if you if there was one thing that you could change. I mean, the, the, this show is called Collateral Damage because we talk about all the, you know, like the impact substance abuse has on society, you know, mm-hmm. like on our communities, on our schools, on our, you know, first responders and stuff like that. So, you know, if you if there was one thing you could change about the way we're handling it or the way people are dealing with it or talking about it, what, what would that be? What do you think?
2: Oh, I have many. But I would say, um, first of all, education. As an educator, I truly believe that if we started teaching coping skills, you know, a blueprint for living that we give people that get into recovery, you know, as early as second grade Mm -hmm. and all the way up, that would make a huge difference. Um, you know, if we could talk more about the child the inner child and the trauma that's behind it, I think that would make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, of course, just to change the stigma to have people understand that this is something that happens to all walks of life um and also to send a message that recovery is you know possible and you know we do recover and uh mm-hmm. that there's always hope absolutely yeah. that's huge
0: i think that's mo- that's the most important part is there's always hope no absolutely. matter what's yeah. happening and yeah. like that's for the families and the individual
2: yeah. yeah i
0: mean being that hopeless individual feeling like there is no other way to deal with it i mean it's good to hear your story um you know and all the other people out there who are willing to share it so that they know you can get out of this. Not only, yeah. like you said earlier, not only can you get out, but you can thrive,
2: right? Yeah, it's so, true. <laughs> so true.
0: Well, that's awesome. So are you going to, um, how how would people be able to find out when your book comes out? Is there a website? Is it listed on your blog? Or, so or, you
2: I know? have been, you know, doing my own, you know, PR because uh, I haven't, you know, eventually I may hire someone. We'll see. But uh, for now they can follow me on Instagram. It's Trisha.ragusa. Okay. Um, the other way is my website is eucalyptus Y O U dash dot com. Um, I'll put the book on my website. Um, and my blog is there too, if anyone wants to check it out. Okay. And my name is T R I C I A, uh,
0: <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, what we'll do is we'll have all that here in the uh, program notes. We'll make sure that people have access to that. And I can't wait to, uh, read your book.
2: Cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. Oh, thanks for coming on, You're welcome.
0: Thank you so much. It was very nice to meet you. You Take too. Right. Okay, guys.
2: Thanks so much. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.